in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel. Beware of passing this place because the Armenians are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicating indicated by the man of God time and time again. I'm going to call him Elijah warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged this enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them. Will you not tell me? Which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elijah, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Let me ask you something. If the prophet of God can hear the words spoken in your bedroom, you think God, our father, cannot hear the words that you speak in your bedroom? He hears them. Can he not see what you do in your bedroom? He sees us. Can he not do and see? Can he not see and hear what you do in secret? Yes. Why? Because he cares about you. He loves you. He is passionate for you. He cares about your passions. He cares about what you do. Because what you can do, what you do may very well kill you or give you life. So let me ask you, what are you doing in secret? What do you spend your secret time doing? Do you praise God? Do you practice holiness? Or do you just slip off in the corner as though God does not see and hear what you are doing? That's a real question, friends. Go find out where he is, the king says, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He's in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord. What does it say? What shall we do? It didn't say what shall I do, did it? It said what shall we do? The servant and the prophet, what shall we do? The servant says to the prophet. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Amen. And Elijah prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire yeah. all around Elijah. We're asking God, do you hear it? Do you hear what the spirit is saying to us tonight? Open our eyes. Did it not come out in prophecy? Yes. Open our eyes, God. Show us what's really going on. Let me tell you what's really going on. We have lions trying to devour us. We have men of God stepping up and stepping to the plate to get the will of God done. But we also have others that are going hide in their room and practicing immorality. And we have others that are hiding in their room and practicing holiness. And God sees it. And it will not go unaccounted. It will not go unaccounted. God shows favor on holiness. Amen. 
God says, be holy because I'm holy. Why? He is trying to say, be where I am. Amen. Be where I am. Be holy because that's where I am. And I want to be with you. And my passion is for you. And anytime I'm away from you, I long for you. Be where I am. Yes, Lord. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Elton Trueblood was an American Quaker. He said something funny. He said, by the year 2000, Christians will be a conscious minority surrounded by an arrogant, militant paganism. That's true. An arrogant, militant paganism. Homosexuality has become militant. They've become militant, friends. They're teaching us how to evangelize. You understand that? They're out evangelizing us. They're surrounded. People who are not a part of them are for them. They are the second counterculture. They are turning the tide. A church forsaken group of people. Islam has always been militant. Did we not just get through with a word Sunday that explained the ins and out of the wickedness of Islam? They are a religious genocide. This is what they practice. And what are they doing? They're out praying us. They're out praying us. We have to look to Islam to see how to pray, how to drop down every couple hours and praise what they call God. Will we stand for it? No. No. Why are we so tolerant, complacent? And why do we put up with this? Because they're a bully? Did not David show us what it was to take care of bullies? Come on. To take care of giants? Oh, come on, y'all. Mm. Hollywood has become militant, have they not? I read an article the other day that said that Hollywood is putting out seven shows of naked this, naked that, naked go hide in the woods and play, naked have a game show, naked this, naked that. How funny it is they come up with seven naked schemes. They're naked and unashamed. They need to be clothed with Christ. Like us. Amen. Did you hear me? We need to be clothed with Christ like us. That means you are clothed with Christ. You know what Christ is? He's the power to change. He's the change agent of power and he lives in you. And if you would go in your secret place and you would put on Christ, you would come out in public and you would be made powerful by him, a powerful witness for his glory. And we would turn the tide. This generation is going to be taught. They're going to be taught by the movies coming out of what the Bible is supposedly says. Yes, liars. Oh, it's so great that they're coming out with biblical movies. No, it's not. No, it's not. You go and watch Noah. I went and watched Noah and I'm ashamed of it. You know why? Because it made me want to throw up. Because Noah was a righteous man and full of love. And the Noah in this picture is a renegade. 
plotting wars against people. I promise you Noah was on the boat saying, please get in. Please get in. Please. There's a flood coming. Time's running out. And the door's going to shut. But you are welcome to come in. When we quote scriptures like Luke 3.16, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one is more one who is more powerful than I will come. The straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to unite, untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Yes. And when we quote Matthew 11, 12, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. They call us lordship preachers. They call us lordship preachers. You can call me what you want. You can call me what you want because I'm to please the father and not men. God broke me of man pleasing spirit a long time ago. You can call me what you want, but you know what I am and I would I strive to be and what I will be by the power of God. I will be a catalyst of fire. I will be a change agent of fire. You know why? Because the one who lives in me is fire. And you know what happens when fire shows up on the scene? Things change. Things change. Create a fire in a forest and see what happens. Create a fire in a dry place. And see what happens. No longer do we have a brush fire, but now we have a whole forest that's full of fire. That's what you are, friend. That's what you are. You're a minister of fire. You're a catalyst for change. You are the change agent. You are to burn. Burn brightly. You are to set yourself on fire and let other people come and watch you burn. And when you do, you will burn them. You will singe them because they don't want it. Or they will ignite just like you and the glory of God will be manifest. The glory of God will be multiplied in that place. And this is the will of God. Lordship preachers, praise God. He is my Lord. I'm on the same ship as him and we're in the right direction. You know what the word catalyst means? It's a substance that increases the rate of reaction. You might not see it. It might be the unseen thing that increases the rate rate of your reaction. You know what that is? That's the spirit of God. And the spirit of God is fire. The catalyst is a substance that increases the rate of reaction without itself suffering permanent damage. You see, God can live in you and you can dishonor him or you can honor him. He won't lose. He won't lose. He is there for your Benefit. Amen. Amen. The catalyst is fire. The fire of God. Am I making myself clear? Yes. Faith. Hebrew says faith is the substance of things unseen. Faith is the catalyst of fire. Faith is the substance of God's facts. You hear me? It's fact to God. And when we believe it by faith, it becomes reality. Yes. Reality. You got to have faith. You got to have trust in order to, to see the things of God. You know who had faith? Elijah, we just read about him. He had faith. The prophet told the servant, look around, friend. 
There's more of them than you think. They outnumber the armies that you see. And what happened? The carnal eyes fell off. The carnal nature was overridden. The spirit man was speaking loud. And the carnal nature was overridden. We need that tonight. We need our carnal nature to be overridden by the power of God, by the fire of God to burn away all that we are so that we can hear clearly and do clearly when he tells us to. The increase of reaction. So many say I'm pushed here or there. Somebody, my brother or sister is pushing me. I'm telling you, the spirit of God's going to push you. You know why? Because he knows who you are. He knows what you are. Yeah. He knows who lives in you. Amen. Push me, Lord. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Come on, Dustin, where are you at? There. Hebrews 11, chapter 1. Now, faith is being sure of what you hope for, what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And you guess what? This is what you can be commended for. By faith, Abel. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Joseph. And by faith, Moses. And what shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administering justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouth of lions, quenched the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength. Anybody got weaknesses in here tonight? Well, then guess what? It's an opportunity to be made strong. Whose weaknesses were turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Where is your focus? Where is your focus? Is it eternal or is it temporal? Is your eyes fixed on the circumstances? Is your eyes fixed on the things that are trying to devour you? Are they opportunities or are they obstacles? You feel me? Are they obstacles or are they opportunities to you? Did God send them? Because when these things come, they are opportunities Amen. to show the glory of God and the power that is in you. Yes, Lord. You know what's a catalyst? The word. Amen. The word is a catalyst of fire. The spirit is a catalyst of fire. The son of God is a catalyst of fire. And guess what? If the son of God is a catalyst of fire, what is his children? We are catalysts of fire. We are the agents for change. We are the ones who were put here to change 
this circumstance, this generation we're in. His servants are flames of fire. Yes. What do they do? They create movement and movement creates friction yes. and friction creates fire. Come on. Catalyst of fire. William Booth said this, I consider that the chief danger which confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, and salvation without regeneration. I'm going to say salvation without regeneration again and again and again because we must fall in love with being regenerated. We must fall in love with being regenerated. Regener- when, I, when I say regeneration, I think of a generator that produces power, that produces power in something that did not have power. Yeah. God came in and he turned on the switch and the switch produced power. Yeah. Salvation without generation, politics without God and heaven without hell. Look with me at First Samuel 17. First Samuel 17, 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sukkot and Judah. They pitched camp at Ephes Damim between Sukkot and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley in between. And a great champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. Goliath stood and he shouted to the ranks of Israel, why, do you, why don't you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us, let us fight each other. On hearing, on the hearing, the Philistine's words Saul and all the other Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Yet another terrorist attack on Israel. Defied. Like our pastor says, it means to steal their nerve. To take away their inner strength. He shouted at them and they became depleted. Of all strength. And after that, terror creeped in. There was a giant in front of them, and he dehabilitated them, and then called them out to do what they had to do, and that was go to war. It's like when a wicked man takes on another man one on one, gives him a knife in the back, and says, Come on, let's do it. Let's go on. One on one. 
but you're crippled. William Booth said this. Not called, you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you to go pull sinners out of the fire yes. of sin. Yes. Put your ear down to the burden, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitfalls, pitfall, pitiful cry for help. Go stand at the gates of hell and hear the damned beg you to go back and tell your loved ones, don't come here. Then go look Christ in the face. Whose mercy you have professed to obey and tell him why you were not available. Not called, you say. Not listening, you might say. God's people were in need of a catalyst. They were in need of something or someone that would come in and change their situation. Israel on one side and the Philistines on another. And they're crippled. They're spiritually crippled because they did not put in the private work. But something is about to happen. Amen. Something's about to happen because God, like the Pentecostals used to say, is an on time God. And right when you need him, someone put in the work. Someone put in the work. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up, hit, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. A faithful man of God, by the direction of his father, is sent to be a catalyst of change. Amen. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle pos positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. They were doing the right things. Yeah. They were doing the right things, but they did not have what it took to carry it out. They were about to be annihilated if God did not come to their rescue through a man full of God. Through a man that would put in work in private in order to be used effectively when needed. Amen. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. 22, David left his things with the keeper of the supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. But something happened. David heard it. David heard it. The one who had the catalyst of fire in him, who was a vehicle for change. When the Israelites When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. 
26, David asked the man standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Why do we tolerate? Why do we shake and shudder at men who are not in covenant with the most high God? Why? Oh, Jesus, help us in our unbelief. Yes, Lord. Help us in our unbelief. He has no covenant relationship with God. Therefore, he has no covenant strength. And you do. Amen. Amen. Seventeen thirty two. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. Is that not the voice of a liar? You are only a boy and he has been a fighting man from his youth. Where did David get this spot? Where did he get it? Where did he get it? Who lived in him? Who's this God that lives in this man? But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And Saul says, okay. Oh, but while his servant was keeping his sheep, things were happening. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned to me, I seized it by the hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine as well. He is no different. So a young man full of God that's been fighting lions in private now shows up on the scene in front of nations. I would imagine he's wearing a necklace full of lion's teeth. I imagine he wiped his feet on his bearskin rug when he left. And I'm imagining he's about to post a head on his wall. The size of the biggest watermelon you ever seen. Where did he get this chutzpah? Where did he get this inner power? Where did he get this nerve to step out? One man to a, to a giant. When the whole army of Israel could not muster the courage to do so. Where did he get it? He was being regenerated, friends. And where was he being regenerated? In his private wars. Amen. In his Amen. private wars. Amen. Where are your private wars? We all have them, don't we? Are we giving in to them? Are we giving up the fight? Or do we war in private so that in public we can be made powerful? Amen. When David stepped on the scene, 
Goliath was not an obstacle. He made easy work of him, friends. He was not an obstacle. He was an opportunity to show everyone in the nations who lived in him. Who lived in him? I'm talking about capacity, friends. I'm talking about he that lives in you and what he wants to do in you and through you. Amen. His capacity is unlimited. Amen. His capacity is unlimited and his habitation is here. But what you do in private determines the outcome of your public display. Yes. Will you fight? Yes. Will you war in private? Yes. 45. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spirit and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the army of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me Amen. and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today, I will give you your carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds of the air, to the beast of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. What is it about fighting a lion or a bear? Is anybody fighting bears in here? You know what bears are? They're big. They're ferocious. You know how you fend off a bear? You become more. You become more and more. What's the word? Intimidating than him. When a bear's coming at you, you're supposed to stand your ground. How many enough of us in here would run? And because you run, you cause your death. Amen. Never again. Never. Amen. You're supposed to stand your ground in courage. You're supposed to be more intense than that bear coming at you. You know what else bears are known for? Hibernating. Does anybody in here have a big, ferocious desire to do absolutely nothing? Do we? We want to sit and soak, coast on Christ. It's going to kill you, friends. You got to get to work. Yes. And you got to get to work yes. in your private life. Yes. You got to get to work in your private life so that your public display of Christ is power. Amen. Holy Ghost power. Amen. Catalyst fire. A change agent. The one who shows up on the scene and is there because God sent him to change that atmosphere and environment. That is what you're sent to be. What about a lion? Lions are beautiful, right? Lions are powerful. But I'm going to tell you something. There's no way to fend off a lion. There's no way to fend off a lion. If he's in your camp, he's already too close. Just like sexual desires, immorality, 
Lust. If it's in your camp, it's already too close. That's a true word. And you know how you have to take it on? You have to engage it and you have to defeat it or it's going to kill you. You do not let a lion hang out in your camp. When you're not looking, he is going to devour you. Are you willing to war in private? Are you willing to war in your private place? Well, then if you are, God will use you amongst the nations. But if you don't, God will pass you by. These lions are not sent from the enemy. They're sent from God. They are your Goliath. They are your opportunity. God tests you in the private times of your life. So that when you're in public, so whether you're in amongst nations, you will not be defeated, but you will be made victorious. Amen. He wants to meet you where you're at. He wants to make you that overcomer. The scripture does not call you overcomer. It calls you more than an overcomer. Yes. You know why? Because carnal men can be overcomers. But the sons of God have supernatural aspects in them that make them more than overcomers. Turn with me to Psalms 91. Psalms 91, 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with the feathers and under His wings He will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and your rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrows that fly by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked if you make the most high your dwelling. Is the Spirit of God not telling us as a church that His power is hidden in His presence? Oh, how we love your presence. How we love your presence. But we go in our private place and stiff arm the presence of God. If the prophets can hear the words echoing off the walls, then God the Most High is watching and listening. Somebody is watching you. It's God Almighty and he has his eyes on you because somebody else has their eyes on your family, on your situation, on your personal life. Somebody is watching you and somebody's blood depends on your hands and what you do. Somebody's life depends on yours. Somebody's watching because you are the catalyst of fire. You are the change agent in that that person's life. God needs to open your eyes so that you can see who is watching your life, who is stalking you behind the corners, who is watching your very next move, 
who is looking to see how you're going to make that decision and how in the world did that happen to that person? And when he asks you and say it was a supernatural God that lives in me because I am nothing but a mere man. But with him, I am extraordinary. Amen. Amen. David killed lions in private. So they can kill giants among nations. You hearing me? Yes. We are no different as a corporate body and as individuals. David was tending the sheep. David left his sheep and did not leave them without a shepherd because he knew there was lions, there was bears, there was things that wanted to kill them or strengthen them. And they needed a shepherd. They needed someone to help them, to show them, to speak into their life, to give them the rod of correction, to give them the hand of encouragement to lift them up when they could not walk anymore. What do you need? What are you fighting? Are you engaged in a fierce battle with a lion or a bear? Is complacency killing you? Is lust overtaking you? Is holiness your desire? Yes. Because it's his. Why can't I get to you, Lord? Because he's in holiness. Your private wars determine your public outcome. Yes. And don't think that you can walk in front of prophets of God and they not see it written on your face. David embraced the catalyst. That lion was a catalyst. It was sent to change him. You know what David did? He took the heart of that lion so that he could take on the heart of the lion. Amen. He took the heart right out of that lion. So that he could take on that very attribute and characteristic and placed it in him. It was an impartment of a divine nature. And it was shown when he showed up among nations. One man embraced the catalyst fire and saved nations from dying. The gifts of God are not a reward, friends. They're not. They're simply gifts. Yes. They are not rewards. They are not rewards for your good character. They are not rewards for your good behavior. They are catalysts placed in you to give you supernatural character. Yes. God placed good gifts in you. They must be discovered. This is why we ask for the fire. This is why we ask for our catalyst to come in and live in us, to change us, to show us who it is that lives in us. Amen. The gifts have to be discovered through your private wars. They have to be utilized through your public obedience. Yes. They have to be multiplied through his supernatural manifestation all around you. They have to be discovered. They have to be utilized and they have to be multiplied. This is the will of God. First Samuel 17. 41 and 46.
Actually, I already read that, so let's go to John 17. Jesus spoke of this. Jesus was a catalyst of fire. Yes. He didn't go around learning the word in order to give all the right answers. He showed up to change the situation. He showed up to change your situation. He showed up to change you so that you could change your situation. John 17, 1. Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on the earth by completing the work you have sent me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence. I said glorify me in your presence. Yes, Lord. Glorify me yes, in your presence. Lord. Glorify Lord. me in your presence. Jesus, glorify us in your presence, wherever that presence may bring us. Lord God, if it's devouring lions, you sent them to create character in us. You sent them to put the heart of the lion in us. Oh God, we ask for your presence of fire to come in and change us, Jesus. Glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Verse 13, I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure. Say the full measure, the full measure of my joy in them. I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out. My prayer is not that you take them out of this world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, even as I am not of this world. Sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify them by the truth as your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world full of lions and full of bears and full of nations that must be saved. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may truly be sanctified or regenerated. Yes. My prayer is not for them alone. Here's where it changes. I pray also for those who will, be, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me, and I in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe. Amen. So that the world may believe. So that the world, when they watch on and you engage the lions and you take hold of his hair and you take hold of his beard and you take him out. So that the world may believe that there is a catalyst fire of hope. That there is a catalyst fire of hope. 
that there is a, a hope for change in whatever I'm going through. There's a hope for change in my private life or my public life. There is a hope for change. Amen. Turn back with me to 1 Samuel 17. And we're going to wrap it up. First Samuel 17, 58. My favorite part of this is the outcome. Isn't that what's important? Isn't that what's important for us? If we're going to fight, we're not just going to learn to fight. We're going to learn to fight and we're going to learn to win. Because God gets the glory when we fight and we win. Some of us are so in love with the struggle, we forgot there's a victory. We're so in love with the struggle, we forgot there's a victory, and we're walking in the struggle and not in an overcoming spirit. Jesus didn't just get on a cross and lay down his life for you. He rose out the grave for you. He set the perfect example. Three days and three nights in hell, and at the end, the resurrection. 1 Samuel 18, 58. Saul asked, after a great display of God's glory, David, a young man I'd seen nothing in, showed up when our nation was about to be obliterated and took on one man that nobody, the whole army didn't want to take on. And look at the question he asked him. David, Whose son are you? Yes. Whose son are you? Whose son are you, young man? Saul asked him, I'm the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. I'm the son from the house of bread. I'm the son that's been shepherding the sheep. I'm the son that's been killing lions in my private time. Who are you? David says, What's it matter who I am? It's whose I am. What's it matter who I am? It's whose I am. It's whose I am. And what I do in my private wars. He is my overcomer, He is the catalyst of fire in me. You see something in me? It's not me. It's him. Amen. Open your eyes. Listen to the voice within the voice. Wake up. Who is it? Whose son are you? Jesus was the son of God. He was the walking expression of God's word demonstration of his power and so are you you are a catalyst of fire you will be sent to the nations will you be ready 
You see the men of God that showed up and drew a battle line to fight the enemy, but they wasn't ready? What about the mercy of God? Just in time, the mercy of God shows up in a man full of the fire of God. 